time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. O is for Obi-Wan Kenobi. All rebel fighters met at fleet headquarters to plan their attack. Princess Leia addressed them. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. Hello, I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Star Wars. Another chapter is here. Welcome to Don't Burn the Sacred Text. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and with me, she is cooler than Enfys Ness at a heavy metal concert. Say hello to Lindsay. I swear one day I'm going to come up with something better for you. <laughs> I I literally just thought of this about two minutes ago. I was like, I want to do something with Enfys Nest, and that's where it naturally you led. Have to. Yeah, so, um, and we are discussing the Battlefront books tonight, and by Battlefront books, I mean we're mostly going to talk about Inferno Squad, and we can't talk Inferno Squad, we can't talk Iden Versio without our special guest for tonight. She is more fantastic than a Porg and an Ewok playing Grav Ball together. You know her on Twitter as Chaos Bria. Bria, what's going on? I'm laughing too hard after that introduction <laughs> to say anything. <laughs> I try. I really I, want to see this happen now. Like, how, right? how does that work? I don't know. But <laughs> Who do you think would win? The Ewok. I mean, yeah, Ewoks eat humans. so And they I'm obviously sure they eat quarks. Yeah, they could definitely take them. Eh, solid point. Yeah. Uh, or they just throw one of those Stormtrooper helmets at them and the board. And that's it. And that's the away. game. Yeah. Height advantage, too. So, uh, Bria, go ahead and uh, just real quick introduce yourself to our audience. Kind of tell them what you have going on and that kind of stuff. That's a very broad question. Um, yeah, hi. So I am Bria Lavornia. Uh, as you gathered from that introduction, I'm Chaos Bria on Twitter and also pretty much the world's biggest Iden Versio fan. I feel pretty comfortable giving myself that title. Uh, I am the managing editor over at Tashi Station, where I also co-host the Vongcast and the KanjiCast podcasts. Uh, I run a geek fashion blog called White Hot Room, and I also am a writer over at StarWars.com, where I mostly cover the comic books. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on tonight. And, of course, we were we were like, okay, we're getting to Inferno Squad, and Lindsay and I are like, how do we keep this from just being an hour of us going, Aiden is awesome! So we thought... What, who better to have than somebody who could actually put some cognizant thought to why Aiden is awesome? <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate you thinking you're of the, me. You're the babysitter tonight. Yes. Oh, oh, good. <laughs> I'm not thinking, sure I'm the right one. <laughs> uh, just so you know what what's expected of you. So, real quick, let's uh, let's. I hesitate to say jump into. Let's breeze by, if I were being honest, uh, Battlefront Twilight Company because. This was the first Battlefront book that came out. It was attached to the the first Battlefront that came out, surprising there. Um, and I think that this book is mostly forgotten for uh, plenty of reasons. Um, but primarily, I think the, the place where this book suffered was there wasn't a campaign for Battlefront 2. So therefore, you didn't really have anything to attach to. So just... Overall, my thoughts, I somehow have two pages of notes on this, but even the idea of reading what I wrote about Battlefront Twilight Company is painful. So I'm just going to say I really didn't like it. And if you liked it, please, like, legitimately send us, like, a voice recording or an email about why you liked Battlefront Twilight Company, and I will put it on the show because I have nothing positive to say about it. Ladies, do you have anything to add about? I do. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I actually really like it. Really? Okay. I do. Uh, it's not, it might not be the easiest book to read or necessarily the most engaging. Uh, it's definitely a very different book from how Inferno Squad is. But what I really liked about Twilight Company is that it gives you the nitty, uh, the nitty gritty in the trenches for the rebellion. And we don't really get to see that very often. Um, most of the characters we see, they're either pilots who have a bit of glamour attached to them. They're someone like Leia or Han who end up being leaders. And we don't really see the person who, you know, I'll 
jump ahead in an era here, but we don't really get to know the person who, who licks the ground on crate and goes salt. And that's what we get with Twilight Company. Um, I'm also a huge fan of Alexander Freed's writing style. Uh, what he did, especially with a very chalice is awesome. Like she face down Vader and that's pretty gutsy. Yeah, I think, I think Freed's writing style was fantastic. And I really came around on that after the Rogue One novelization, because when I found out he was doing that uh, novelization of the film, I was really apprehensive about it. And that is, to date, my favorite uh, novelization that's come out in the Disney era. Um, and so when I went back at this, I kind of had a better feeling about his writing. I think the writing is really good. I just did, I didn't connect with any of the characters. And maybe that's because I come to Star Wars more for the, the characters. Um, and usually that leads to like the mythological aspects of it. Um, and I just kind of felt like this was overall lacking but i'm i'm super super happy that there are people out there who like it because i think that's one of the great things about having so many different kinds of books is that everybody literally is going to have something that connects with them Lindsay, what are your thoughts on twilight company mine are a little bit closer to yours brandon i to be totally honest i read it while i was on a plane a long plane ride and if i wasn't stuck in one particular seat for as many hours as I was, I don't know if I even would have finished it. Um, you know, it, it is a great writing. Alexander Freed is incredible for me though. I think it was Freed, You said it really well. It's so gritty and it's so in the trenches. And my issue is just, that's not necessarily what I wanted at the time. I think I wanted to feel more of, I was in a star Wars story and this was more of like, I felt like I was in a World War One, World War Two story. Not to say that that's a bad thing. It's just not necessarily <laughs> what I wanted at the time. But hearing a little bit of the passion that you have for it, and hopefully other people do have for it, I'm curious if I went back and I read it again, if my opinions would change on it. There was a couple of characters I definitely latched on to. Like Brand was one of them. Um Chalice is another, and then I really liked Roach. Like when we saw that she died in the end, I was so sad, <laughs> like really, really sad. And actually, I got Alex to sign my copy of the book, and I had left a little post-it note in there and pointed to her where they talk about her dying. And I was like, "Not okay." And he jokingly wrote, "Totally okay," with a smiley face, um, which sounds awful when I phrase it like that. But <laughs> <laughs> no, that's pretty cool, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, and I just, I just love that it elicits any kind of reaction like that you know because I actually did like that character as well um and there were I'm not saying that every single thing was terrible in that book there were some saving factors redeemable factors there um but to be able to say oh my god I had that connection with this character I really felt it I think that's amazing and that's what Star Wars is for and that's what these expanded books are for yeah, I mean, it's definitely a book that you have to be looking for the that specific kind of book to enjoy it. Um, and also, full disclosure, I am somewhat biased towards liking Twilight Company because there is a character in the short story attached to Twilight Company named after me. So a <laughs> little, little bit of bias there going on. <laughs> yeah, you got to disclose that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Briella is in there somewhere. But uh, but uh, that had nothing to do with, uh, for the most part, me enjoying the book. But I also recognize it's not for everyone. Yeah, and and we kind of talked about this on uh, on our last shot episode. How Lindsay and I weren't super in love with last shot, but the thing that more than anything made me super happy about last shot is it was such a different um, type of storytelling, uh, the way that it was put together, and the writing style, and the types of characters that were brought in. And so seeing so many people connect with it, even when I didn't, was exciting because I liked the idea that they're taking risks. So I like the idea that. Like, even though it may not have been what I really wanted it to be, that Twilight Company is out there um, for the people like you, Bria, who, who really do connect with that and who are in into more of the war side of the Star War. So <laughs> let's go ahead and jump into the main course for tonight, because I think we're all going to just be yelling for the next hour about how amazing Inferno Squad is. But we're going to be talking about Battlefront 2 uh, Inferno Squad. And, 
Bria, I want to start with you because you said you are the number one Aiden Versio fan in the galaxy. Uh, but I would also say you're probably one of the biggest Inferno Squad fans in the galaxy. So what is it just about the overall story of Inferno Squad, um, including the book? And we'll go ahead and include the, uh, the gameplay because that does have a, a big impact on the overall story. What is it that connects with you? So a lot of that actually has to do with my other background as a cosplayer. Um, when they first released the trailer for Battlefront 2 at Celebration, I latched on to Aiden. I barely knew her name. I just saw a character in Star Wars who looked kind of like me and who, can I say badass? I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. I should have asked that one more. But she was just totally badass. And she was she was very she was in charge. She did not put up with other people's crap. She was there and she didn't she wasn't apologetic about being a woman in power. And it's not very often for me as a mixed race Asian woman that I get to see a character who looks like me. So I, I came home from Celebration, and I made it a week before saying, all right, yep, I'm going to make this costume. And I convinced one of my garrison mates to help me out. And thankfully, I did end up loving her once the book came out. But I was already predisposed to really appreciate her just based on what we knew from the interviews and then from, uh, from the trailer. And then when we got the book, it all sort of confirmed what I had gotten, what I had suspected about Aiden. She, you know, she's very no-nonsense. She's very devoted to her cause. And yeah, she's imperial, but being an imperial doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. Um, she was raised in this. She has morals. We see those towards the end of the of the book itself when she loses it at, at Hask for murdering all of those people. And we also see that in Dell because he's also equally pretty ticked off. And then obviously when we get to the, the video game, she switches sides because she can't she hits that breaking point of murdering Imperial citizens who don't, who haven't done anything wrong except for being on this planet and the emperor, they're part of the emperor's wrath. Um, so she's, it was just a character I connected with a character who I looked like and a character who has brought a ton of really cool things into my life. And so, I think I went off it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's perfect. I, I want to dig into what you were saying about you connected with her because she looks like you, because I am, like, a middle-class white Christian male. Like, I'm the stereotype of what is on the screen. Um, but I usually don't connect with people who look like me on the screen. And, and so I'm fascinated by it because it's something I don't quite understand um, mm -hmm. because it's not an experience that I've had to go through. Like, for some reason, I tend, and Lindsay and I have talked about this before, I tend to connect with more of the female characters like Rey and Ahsoka um, and Aiden. Um, but before Aiden, did you feel like there was a, a gap in how you could relate to Star Wars that she cleared up? Or was it more of a situation where she was the character you never knew you always needed? I think it's the latter, more the latter than anything else. Uh, I was always very distinctly aware growing up that there weren't any prominent women of color really in Star Wars, uh, especially within the movies. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love Leia. I would die for Leia Organa. Um, I'm a huge Padme fan as well, but I, I, I'm very aware that they're not someone I look like and a lot of things that happen to cosplayers, not necessarily to me because I'm I'm mixed and I and I don't get it as often. But people will be referred to as, oh, she's the black Padme. Oh, that's the Asian Leia instead of just being, oh, she's Leia or oh, she's Padme um, with Aiden. That barrier doesn't exist. And it's also very I'll be honest, it's very, very rare that a character is out there like Aiden, who not only looks like me but kind of acts like me like that that just doesn't happen ever so yeah I it's it's definitely special and i i think and i don't want to go too far down this road because that's not what the focus of this episode is but um i think one of the great things about what's going on now is all the diversity that's being brought in um and 
I hate the idea of like somehow it's forced diversity because I, I think that implies that like by bringing in people of color or more women into the roles or just things that should naturally be happening like characters like Leia or Luke or you know all these people that we had before are somehow less than the people that we're bringing in does that make sense yeah it's just a broadening of the galaxy it's not it's not a replacing just a broadening and I would love to see someone try to tell Janina Gavankar that she didn't earn the part of Aiden I'd I'd love to see that like you get punched in the face yes I would pay for that pay-per-view um, so, Lindsay, jumping over to you, because you have an Inferno Squad tattoo on your back, right? I do. Okay, so... It's you're, uh, a parallel to my Ahsoka one. I did I... You know, when we first... <laughs> when I first started reading Inferno Squad, I never thought I would be the, the least of these in terms of liking this book. But, um, tell us yeah, what it is about... I know, right? Um, tell us what it is about Inferno Squad that connects with you. So for me, it is, and Bria had touched on this, it's seeing a character that acts like me. Um, I am pretty lucky being in that I'm also, you know, middle-class white female. I've grown up with characters, especially in Star Wars, who look like me. And as much as eight-year-old, nine-year-old Lindsay would have loved to be able to say, oh, I act like Princess Leia, oh, I act like Padme, I just, I don't. I like see- seeing in Aiden, though, that there is this tougher strand of her. And even though she is tough and she can be a little bit uncompromising, she still sticks to these morals and these principles that she has. And she just does it in such a way in her interactions with other people and with how I would imagine her mannerisms being even just reading the book before the campaign. She does it in such a way that I sit there and I think, that's what I would do. And that's how I would do it. And even though she is that imperial, she's not a bad person. She just, she's on a different track than I would maybe be on. But she still carries herself with this integrity. And that is so important and so crucial And that's what I really connected with in her story. Just seeing how she um, carries out that integrity in her interactions with other people. But one of the very first things to me that really connected with was how much she wanted to earn what she had. I think that is so important. It wasn't just oh, look, I have this powerful father. Oh, look, I've been handed these opportunities. She made sure that she earned everything she had and everyone around her knew it and they couldn't question it. And that was a really big sticking point for me. So to see that early on in the story, I was immediately like, yeah, I'm on board with this. I like her. I'm going to follow her wherever she goes. And it just so happened to all pay off. Lindsay, how much did you love how Hask was always, I call him second best Hask, and then no matter what he did, he couldn't actually be better than her. He couldn't. He could and it's almost it's almost like she wasn't even putting in all of her effort to crush him in everything. It was like she could give 75% while he gave 100 and she still got it. Yeah, she wanted to be the best and he wanted to be better than her. And they weren't even playing the same game. (laughs) Never. It was so good to see. And, you know, I think that that kind of character, too. You know, Brandon, you had touched on a forced diversity. And I think that the reason why the diversity in Star Wars doesn't necessarily feel forced, and I am realizing how funny it is to use the word forced that many times in Star Wars, Um, But the reason why it doesn't feel forced is because you have these really well-rounded characters where Aiden isn't defined by the fact that she's a minority. She's defined by the fact that she's better at ass than everything. Yeah, absolutely. And it like, honestly, it's not really even touched on, which I think is, is even the better part, right? Like, I, it's just there they just it just is she just is who she is and the focus is on her 
character and not her skin color or even where she comes from. Um, and so that's really, really awesome. And, and I think one of the things that makes her and makes this story really special, and we've kind of touched on it a little bit, is how it shows um, that not everybody in the Empire was a terrible person. But <laughs> with Palpatine matching up so perfectly with Hitler, I think we assume that the Imperials are the Nazis. And while there's definitely some Nazi-like elements to them, uh, I think what they're trying to show us now is that the people on the other side aren't necessarily the bad guys, um, which with our, our current climate just in the world overall, I think is a really important message um, to be sending out there. So, and I think one of the characters that, that portrays that more than anybody other than Aiden, of course, is Del. Like, he is the prime example of a good guy who just got blinded by the Empire's propaganda, and once he started to believe it, he didn't really think about it. Um, Del Miko is a perfect human being. I will hear no word against him. <laughs> no, no, here. Yeah, no, I am I'm all on board for Del, but I think, like, he... It was one of those situations where he got caught up in the machine, right? And he saw the good that the Empire was doing, because I think it would be foolish to say the Empire wasn't doing at least some good, right? Otherwise, yeah. there's no way they could have maintained having so many good people. Um, and I think for him, what it comes down to, and the reason that he sees the good in the Empire is the relationships that he has with the people around him, right? We see right yeah. from the beginning, his the people who are under him are talking to him like an equal, um, and then it moves to, to Pickow and, and seeing him and trying to figure out a way to, to help him um, and things like that. And I know, like, in where I work at as a teacher, like, we have a lot of autonomy, which is kind of, you know, like Dell would have had in his job. But when you have your boss bearing down on you and, like, everything needs to be this way, it's a lot different than, like, what I have now with a boss who is very free and, and very friendly and makes it feel like, like they're a person you want to work for, right? And Dell has that um, about him. He, he just attracts people to, to him. And, and that's why I think while Aiden is the head of the squad, Dell is the heart of the squad. I wouldn't argue with that. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. The only point that I would argue is when you say that he kind of bought into the propaganda, the feeling I've always gotten from him was really more apathy. It was like he was just there to do his job, make his living, go about his day. It's not like he ever really fully bought into anything. And maybe that's why he was able to switch so easily at the end. But to me, it was really just mostly apathy on his end. Yeah, he's got the line uh, when he's talking to Luke Skywalker on Pilio, which I not that we're talking about Luke Skywalker, but that is the best Luke Skywalker writing I've seen in the new canon um, where he says, uh, you know, I'm not blind. I know what the Empire is, but what else is there? Which I think is really telling because he's old enough that he would remember some of the time under the Republic. Um, I believe he's 36 when the game happens. Um so he would remember a little bit of that. Not much, but a little. And he's also got, I think he's his older brothers who were in the Stormtrooper program as well. So it really is a, a what else is there. The Republic fell. The Empire is here. I suspect that for most people in the galaxy, it was, okay, they changed the name. And, oh, there's a military now. Um, so I think I'm basically agreeing with, I'm agreeing with you, Lindsay, I think. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like it. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think, so, I mean, he, go he goes along with it to an extent. Um, and I would say that he believes he's doing some good. But oh, he's yeah, not, for sure. He's not like a Tarkin. Thank goodness. No, Tarkin no, no, no. sucks. And I, I think he, he sees what the Empire is providing to the people around him, right? His family, um, the, the squad that he worked with before Inferno Squad seemed from the little that we get from them to be genuinely happy for him. Um, and they, they seem to have a real familial relationship. Right. And then when Aiden is like, we're done with this, we're turning, like we're joining the rebellion. The empire is not what it is supposed to be. Like that relationship connects with him. And immediately he goes, goes with her. And obviously 
we know how that ends up. Uh, I mean, let's be real. Del Mico would have followed Aiden anywhere. <laughs> like, you if know she what? had stayed, he would I have mean, stayed. I mean, we all? <laughs> I was yes. going to say, if you, if you wouldn't follow Aiden anywhere, I don't need your kind of negativity in my life. Okay. <laughs> Which, speaking of people who would not follow Aiden, and really the worst of the worst, has. I hate him so much. So much. So, so so much. I. mm. Go for it. Go for it. Go. Let go. It's a a safe space. I'm trying to. I, you know, I have so much towards Hask, but I think that's what makes him such a well done character, is he is the heart. He's everything that about toxic max- masculinity, like in one bundle. He's he's the person that you know the the pro empire, the we do this our way or the other way. He has so much anger in him because Aiden, despite being younger than him, is more talented. She always gets the jobs he wanted. Um, like you see it throughout the entirety of Inferno Squad, and then you see it even in the beginning of the game where. Uh, they make a crack about him, not about how he's not in charge yet, but he will be one day. And like the first thing that happens once Aiden and Dell betray them and he's just like, no, I'm not going with you. And he and then he killed mm, that jerk. Like <laughs> I had no right. None. I mean, I, I so I went on a Twitter thread a while back about uh, about the relationship with Dell between Dell and Hask that I think is fascinating. <laughs> Um, because if you notice throughout, he's, he's mad at Aiden. He hates Aiden, but he's like apologetic to Dell, which says something <laughs> like it says a lot. Like, I don't think he actually wants to kill Dell, but he does it cause he knows he's going to hate Aiden <laughs> or he, cause he knows it'll hurt Aiden. And I just That's never forgive really him for that. Point. Like, I thought about it like that. Yeah. 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 Oh, and, and Dell, perfect human being Dell, his last words. Okay. They're not begging for his life. They're begging for Hask's because he says, don't go after her. You know, it won't end well. So he's he's not trying to save his own life at that point. I just got goosebumps. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like the the thing with Hask, he's definitely like the anti-Dell um, and really the anti-Aiden, right? Aiden doesn't go around flaunting what she's got going on. She just shows up to work and does better than everybody else. And he is obsessed with power and validation through power. And really he's just, he's blinded by his own arrogance and his hunger for power, which is is exactly the kind of people that the Empire empowered, which of course we see that he does. And Man, I remember when I got to the end of the book the first time, like, when he just slaughtered everybody, I kind of just put the book down for a second because it was just so taken aback by it, right? And when I finished the book, I texted Lindsay, like, immediately after, and I'm like, have you finished the campaign for Battlefront? Because I don't I don't have a video game system. And she's like, yeah. And I said, tell me everything. <laughs> because I just needed to know all of it. I remember um, that. I go, are you sure? Yeah, because I'm very <laughs> like anti-spoiler. I'm very, very anti-spoiler. And I was like, no, like, we were out of town, and I knew, I'm like, I'm not going to have time to sit down and watch the YouTube videos of it right now. Like, I need to know what happens. Um, and so I was definitely glad to see they got away from Hask and, and went in a different direction. But Did you notice that after he slaughters everyone, Aiden never calls him Gideon again? No. Uh, uh, God, see, this is why we have you on here. I think about this stuff a lot. Like, I'm like 10% person and 90% Inferno Squad. Um, (laughs) I mean, that seems like a very healthy... That's the balance we all strive for. It's a healthy ratio. Yeah. So, what was really surprising for what was really surprising for me though, at you know, when he does take that final step and when he does that whole massacre. That was really the first time where I thought, okay, he's an active character now. Up until then, he was so passive, and it was just whatever happened to to him happened. That was the first time, though, where he went out and he really made something happen on his own. And that's when you're like, oh, this guy's messed up. 
it, huh. let's let's go back to when he was being really passive. <laughs> I hadn't like, thought about that. The whole book, I feel like, is trying to kind of lure you in that maybe he's not that bad, right? Because Aiden clearly is not that bad, and Dell is not that bad. And then he starts uh, pairing up with the head of the partisans of the dreamers and you kind of go mm, is he playing the role is he not playing the role like you're kind of confused about that and then that that slaughter at the end just answers it and then sends it right into the battlefront 2 story which just shows him for the tail terrible person that he really is the one <laughs> character who is not a terrible person hopefully you guys can't hear the squeaking that my dog is doing behind me like a little I can. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Buzz made but it's a dog, so no dogs one... are great. <laughs> no dogs one's are... upset. Yeah, dogs are allowed on the show. Um, the one character that, when I first read it, might have been my favorite before I really started to attach to Aiden, and the more that I oh. thought about it, was Sin. Oh, I just okay. absolutely love her. And when they first introduced her character, I thought her identity memory was going to be like a cop-out and just one of those easy plot solutions kind of like oh hey Theron knows everything right um but it was used I think perfectly and didn't become a crutch um and I, I think you could have made her this very stereotypical young foolish headstrong person especially with her abilities and instead Christy Golden just defies those stereotypes and that final moment I mean I'm not a crier. I'm a very emotional person, but I'm not a crier. But that, that final moment with her, I was in tears. Oh, I cried for two chapters straight um, because I latched on to Sen almost immediately because I picked up on Christie's visual description of her and I went, oh, my God, she's Asian. She's East Asian, um, which is incredible to me that there is a book with two characters of Asian, female Asian descent in the book. And I, I just in shock and awe by it and I, I hugged Christy Golden when I saw her and I was almost crying thanking her for Sen and for what she did with Aiden but um, that chapter where it would happen with Sen because it reminded me of one of my favorite Legends characters uh, Winter Selchu who also had the perfect memory and then when Aiden has that breakdown like there is always a, a grain of truth in your lies which is not the exact quote and I'm killing myself I'm beating myself up for not remembering it right. But those two were just, oh my God. Ow. It gets ya. For me, it did take a little bit longer to latch onto her because I, you know, I thought the same thing as, is she going to be used as just the easy plot device where anything that needs explaining is about to just be thrown onto this character and that's that. And we're just supposed to accept it for what it is. But seeing the way to... I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. It's not so much that she changed a lot during the book. I think we just saw who she truly was. And what a gracious and generous person she was in the machine that the Empire became. So to see that humanity in the character that was supposed to be the perfect embodiment of the imperial machine was just absolutely jaw-dropping to me and took me for such a loop i think i'm pretty good at figuring out what to expect for certain characters but she was the biggest surprise in i would say any canon book to date really I yeah, I really do. Huh. I I was shocked by her because I I really did when we were first introduced. I was like, this is going to be stupid. This is going to just be the easiest way to write off any plot hole. You know, oh no, she just remembered it perfectly, and just seeing the way she connected to the other dreamers and how she just wanted to kind of just make everyone else proud. I was like, oh, this is such a human character. And I was expecting the machine. I was expecting just the cut and dry of it. Yeah. And it was her forgetting something that ended up being why she died. Yeah. Because Ugh. she slipped up on that one language thing. She, 
Wow. And like, I actually didn't realize it. Yeah. When when I first read it, I didn't even realize what had happened. Because you just like know about her abilities and it wasn't until they explained it that I actually caught up and I was like, "Oh, crap. Like that's that's not going to end well." And I think having it be Aiden be the one standing across from her with the blade, I feel like if Sin had lived, she would have become a lot more like Aiden. Um, possibly because of her eidetic memory, like even more capable than Aiden, um, as blasphemous as that is to say. But she was definitely uh, a really amazing character. And Bria, I like tend to breeze over character descriptions and like what they look like because I just never remember anyways. So I literally had no idea that she was East Asian, and that makes my heart super happy. So again. Yep glad that more of that stuff is happening and it's happening so much that it's not even i don't even want to say it's not even going noticed but it just feels so natural you don't like stop and go oh hey um let's jump into the dreamers and kind of the the plot motivation of the story what i found really interesting when we got to the actual part of the dreamers was how deep into the book we already were because there's so much that happens in the beginning part of the book to get the team together. And I, I love all of it. Like, I love how they brought the team together. I love that when they immediately start working, it's just seamless. And it, and it just feels like they fit together. Because that's exactly what would happen in a real-life, like, military situation, right? They, like, all have the same background. They already kind of know what everybody else is thinking, and they are the elite of the elite for a reason. So, Actually, I don't, I don't agree that they have the same background. I mean, like, in, in, like, military ideology. I mean, sort of, but they're pulled from, except for Aiden and, and uh, Hask, they're pulled from different branches. Yeah, that's a good point. Because Dell's, you know, he's more engineering. He's more of the the one who worked his way up through the ranks, whereas Senna is basically fresh out of the academy almost. And she's more in, uh, I can't remember if she's actually in ISB or intelligence because those, it's very confusing figuring out what's what over there. Um, but she's definitely not necessarily a pilot like the other two yeah, are. Yeah, she's not in the field, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what makes him stronger, though, is that they have these differences but agree on mostly their ideology and they come together to mesh and become this team. Yeah. it's. it's I would kinda say like... to not even just the ideology, but they are really quick to accept that the other three are the experts in what they do and their opinions are equally valuable. And I think that's why they made such a strong team from almost the very beginning is because they know what their own strengths are, they know what their own weaknesses are, and they get how they need all four of them to fill in the entire puzzle. Yeah. The Dad Admiral did a good job with assembling them. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if nothing else, he's really good at his job. But I, uh, I kind of have a similar experience to that because when I came to this new school, the teachers that I work with, we, we kind of have the, the grade level divided up. And immediately it was like we all came and we never even talked about it. We never even sat down and go like, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? We just immediately clicked and everything worked together. And we were able to get like the best scores that the school has ever gotten last year. Um, and I don't say that to brag, but I say that like because when I'm reading this, I'm like, yeah, that's like a very real life thing. When something like this happens, it's like magic. Um, and it's not accidental, right? Like, it's very planned out by Admiral Versio, who, by the way, is almost as bad as Hask. Almost. I hate him. Oh, I can't. I can't hate him. Why can't you hate him? I mean, he blessed Because I, him, I but... hate him a little. So, uh, I have a complicated relationship with the Admiral because <sighs> he is... He's very much a part, both of her parents are a big part into making Aiden who she is um, with his, you know, expecting excellence. And, and yeah, he's not necessarily a loving parent to her and he puts her through some pretty bad stuff ultimately. 
But there's that moment at the end of the book where he lets her know that her mother did not die thinking she was a traitor. And I that just hit me right in the emotions because this is a guy who puts the empire before everything else and telling Zihei this could have been something that would have compromised it. It was definitely going against how you handle classified information. But he told her anyways because he knew it it would help Aiden feel better about her mother not knowing that, especially or about her mother knowing that her loyalties were still there. And then it's the whole conversation on the bridge of the Star Destroyer above Jakku in the game where he's like, you saw what I didn't and you like that my time is done. I'm going to go down with my ship. You need to live like to his daughter. And that also just hit me right in the emotions. So let me ask you this, mm-hmm. um, just because, you know, Brandon is pretty clear your hatred for him. Bria, it's very clear your hatred for Hask, which is yeah. totally justifiable. So being that you see the dad Merle as a redeemable character and he was able to do a few things where you say, okay, everything else I can, I can push aside because he did these. Is there anything that Hask could have done in the book or the game where you would say, okay, I can start to forgive him or, okay, I can start to look in the other direction because he did this. Is there anything that he could have done? I don't know, but I know it's definitely not shooting Dell and definitely not shooting Aiden <laughs> and definitely not threatening Zay. Like, how dare you touch Zay, Miko? I will end you. Um, she is precious. But before is- that, before he did that and kind of crossed into that. Yeah. I don't know because I think there's so much about him where there is there is no room for compromise with Hask. Um, so much of his identity is focused, has been focused around beating Aiden and being number one. And just, I, I'm not sure that there's anything he could have done that would have made me more sympathetic to him that would have still felt in character. Hmm. Well, and I think he's that bad. I mean, well, I, I put him in the same I mean, category I as I do Rax and, and Brendel Hux. Like, they are characters who, if I saw them, I'd just be like, bye. Let me just push you in the direction of this high cliff. Um, <laughs> uh, even though I think the actor who plays Hask is brilliant. Um, but yeah, I just, I I couldn't find, I think his relationship with Dell is fascinating. But again, like I said, like so much of what Hask is, is just, toxic and I can't find anything in him to counter that and I think one of the things that makes them really different too is the Dadmiral puts the Empire first Hask puts himself first yes exactly great way to put it because Hask puts himself first there is no room for negotiation in that whereas with Admiral Versio, he puts the Empire first, and I'm sure to some extent in his eyes, doing that stuff for Aiden was protecting the future because she was the future of the Empire, um, at, at least to some extent in his eyes, right? She was clearly had the leadership skills. She had been raised to put the Empire first, those kind of things. So I think that you, Bria, you, I think you brought me around on him. Yes! I'm convinced. I still don't like him. No, like you don't have to like him, but as long as you but, admit he's better than Hask. Oh, no, no, he's way better than Hask. <laughs> way better than Hask. Yeah, um, Hask's the actual worst. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I honestly... Lindsay, I'm going to say it. Uh-oh. I think I hate Hask more than I hate Mace Windu. Whoa! Legitimately. Legitimately. Hask is the worst. Ring the alarm. (laughs) So let's go like forward in the story and get to the part about uh, the dreamers because I I found this really, really fascinating that when they they got to the dreamers, um, they, of course, you know, work their way in and all that stuff. But when they start to try to break them apart, they use a divide and conquer strategy, which I think was a little bit of a foreshadowing of what would happen to Inferno Squad. Because the dreamers started to fracture because of differing opinions on like how extreme they should go, 
which is very similar uh, to some extent to what happens with uh, Inferno Squad and seeing what happens with Operation Cinder. You have, you know, Hask, who, who stays. He believes in what they're doing. Um, and then Aiden, obviously, going the the other direction. What did you guys think about uh, that part of the, the story and the divide-and-conquer strategy that they had going? I really liked it, mostly because it gave us a chance to see each one of the characters as their own entity. I think up until that point, we saw how they all were as a team, which we all discussed, you know, they're a great team, obviously, for various reasons. But part of the reason why this book has stayed at the top of my list and been so strong the entire way through is because each one of these characters are so good on their own and you want more of each one of their individual stories and having it set up this way really gave them the chance to shine that way. Yeah, I think the good thing about the Dreamers is that this book couldn't have worked unless you had a rebel group like the Dreamers. Um, they were... Some of them are, are morally flexible, um, which is what I think you have to have in that group in order to still have your readers root for Inferno Squad to win. But... And when I say morally flexible, I mean they they just they approach things from a different perspective than you might see like Leia's rebels do. And that's very fitting with the rest of the partisans. Uh, I remember being shocked when they were going to be okay with blowing up a school full of kids. Like mm. kids. They're, they're, yeah. How can you hold the moral high ground in that situation? <laughs> um That that whole situation was really intense. One thing I'm wondering about that because I, I really haven't been able to come to a decision on it um, or an opinion on it. Do you guys think that Sin actually cared for, like, romantically cared for Sidori in any capacity, or was she playing the whole time? Not romantic, I, I but in friendship. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I definitely felt the, the friendship aspect of it because she did, like, stick by his family and kind of go through the grieving process um with them and i don't think you do that unless you at least care for the person to some extent but the whole situation with the oh yeah i i mean there's just nothing else to say about like bombing a school full of children other than like that clearly makes them the bad guys yeah but then you had people who weren't so bad who weren't necessarily on board with that um i can't remember if she actually was or not because it's been a couple months since i read the book but the the twilight character um i'm blanking on her name but i liked her uh she seemed to be have be a little bit more on the traditionally moral side and then there's um lux who i am really proud of myself i figured out who he was like a halfway through the the dreamer thing um, where he, you know, he wasn't on board with that sort of attitude, and it definitely showed the fracture within the dreamers themselves. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's really important is we're getting all these different rebel sects, right? It, it makes it a lot more realistic. You have these extreme extremists, like uh, the dreamers bombing schools, or... Um, even, you know, the stuff that Saw Guerrera does, and it kind of challenges characters like Mon Mothma and Leia to really consider, like, to what extent are we willing to go, right? And, like, I just finished rereading the Leia Princess of Alderaan book, and spoiler alert for that, but Saw's partisans bomb um, a building that Leia had just walked out of, and it causes her to really think, like, to what extent do we go in this war to win? Like, when when do we become, like Padme said, when do we become the very thing we're, we're working to fight against? Which I think is kind of the line that Aiden draws in the sand when she eventually turns. Like, she's like, this is what... The, we are the terrorists now who are... Which is what we were fighting, right? And Hask never draws that line in the sand. 
I feel like, I mean, you do certainly now have to bring in Saw Gerrera and what he was trying to accomplish in something like Princess of Alderaan. But I just remember putting this book down. And one of the things I would say for like the first week after I read this was you cannot read this without having Rebel Rising to go along with it. Yeah. Part of it is because of the dreamers. I think that's obviously the most, you know, in your face part of it. But a big part of it too is this is Aiden, I think, is the character that Jin Urso could have turned into had she been given more time. Um, but this just seems like the perfect continuation of Rebel Rising. If you are, if for some odd reason someone is out there listening to this podcast an hour in and they haven't read Inferno Squad before, <laughs> uh, before you before you do. Read Rebel Rising first and then go right into this just because you really can't have one without the other. It is the perfect foil of each other. It's not even just that one seems like it should be a sequel. It's just the perfect dramatic foil. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but they do go really well together. And of course, you have the connection uh, between the characters and and everything like that that happens too, um, which is extremely powerful. One of the things that stuck out to me the more that I read this book is really some uh, one of the themes that I noticed, which is the personal versus the impersonal aspects of war um, and how it impacts those who are involved. And when we make war about number of casualties or the money that it cost or what we gained or what we lost, we really lose that personal aspect of it which I think what makes Aiden such a great leader and what makes her such a, a character that we relate to but also that we strive to be like is that she never loses the focus of that personal aspect of the war. Uh, so then how would you, how would you say uh, our buddy Hask does? Do you think that he makes it less personal and that's why he's able to commit some of the crimes that he does well i think yeah absolutely he doesn't look at them uh as people they're terrorists they're they're the other right there is no morality in them which is a major thing that the star wars stories are showing us now is that they're there is some morality there's some redeemable aspects of both sides of the war um isn't it in clone wars where one of the the title cards or whatever you call it says something about there being heroes on both sides um maybe not a title card but there's a point where it says that and i felt like this book embodied that more than anything else oh yeah for sure i think it's the revenge of the sith crawl oh yeah that's heroes right on both sides evil Ooh. is everywhere. wow well done me. sir Hats off to you! Wow, I've watched Revenge of the Sith way too many, uh, way too many times. I am so ashamed of myself right now for not knowing that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, that's a that's a good point that it it shows really um, those heroes on both sides because I don't think there's ever a point where Aiden or Dell or really Sin doesn't seem like a hero. Well, okay, there is one point and I found it a little like I had to kind of sit down and remind myself how much I loved Aiden uh because in like chapter yeah here chapter four when they find the wine in the room and it's Alderanian wine (laughs) and it's like a month after Alderaan and they're drinking a toast and I'm like oh oh no because I love Alderaan, but then Aiden's there thinking about, you know, like, oh, I wish they hadn't made the destruction of Alderaan necessary. And I'm going, no, no, honey, no, I... That's yeah. not a thing. <laughs> yeah, because I... Because I don't want to make it seem like I think all of her actions are completely okay. Like, obviously, okay, she's in the Empire, and there are some not great things she does in the Empire, even though she thinks it is for the greater good. And I think all of them do that at one point or another, 
but it's what you do once you're presented with a choice to be better that really defines them and makes them the heroes that they are and that they become. I yeah. almost don't even want to say what I was about to say because that sums it up so perfectly. Sorry. I was going to kind of add on to it. No, no, no. I was, I, I wanted to add on to what you said. I was like, Oh, I don't even want to taint it though. But I'm looking at the other books in, I'm trying to just stick to Canon right now. I'm looking at my bookshelf and one of the things I think that makes a character like Aiden so incredible and one of the reasons why I relate to her so much is it's not even just a matter of she knows the difference between right and wrong or she's going to stick to her principles. It's that she thinks critically. So when she is given the option of can I be a better person – it's not just a matter of, yes, I can because I'm hopeful and I'm strong. She's able to become a better person because she can look at everything she's ever been taught in her life and everything she's ever done and think for a quick second, what if that's wrong? And she has that, that ability to think critically about things. And that's how she takes that final step to become a better person. And I love that about her. And it's so different from any other character we have. Yeah, and I think, so going a little bit into the game here, one of the things I really liked about how Mitch Dyer and Walt Williams handled her story is, her story and Dell's, is that it wasn't a redemption story. Because she, it was more of a, she is switching sides and she is doing what she thinks is right. And it's more of a gradual process, even though I wish we had seen more of that process. Because if you notice, um, when she goes to Naboo after Lando's first all, hey, yeah, look, you can have these X-Wings and go anywhere you want, or you can take the X-Wings and come help us fight against Operation Zender. She doesn't have the Rebel Starbird on her shirt. That doesn't appear until you next see her uh, on the Takadana. Or not the Takadana, she's not actually on Takadana, but you don't see that until later. That like, kind of flash gets, forward, yeah. Yeah, that does not get added until after she and Leia shake hands on Naboo and she officially joins the New Republic. And I like that they did that. And, you know, she has the line about, you know, like, we've been fighting for the wrong side for a while, you know, just took us, it just took us too long to maybe realize it. But she never, there's never, like, I don't feel like there's an atonement point. And I really appreciate that about her story. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's yeah, like absolutely. She, she doesn't feel like she has to make up for what she did. Like, she doesn't feel like because she was part of the Empire that she was the one doing those those evil things, right? Because she wasn't. She wasn't necessarily the one out there, uh, you know, mining and destroying planets and, and things like that. But I think when you consider her her character like you said Bria she doesn't get that that rebel bird on her immediately right it, because yeah. it's not so much about sides in terms of like rebellion or empire or republic or whatever it may be it's more about just like what is right and Lindsay you brought up the the idea that she critically thinks and i think that's what makes her character so different from like a dj right because dj sees this world where everybody is fighting and depending on your point of view you're wrong and so he just does nothing about it he's just apathetic towards it whereas Aiden sees this world where there are different ways that things can go and she's going to find what she believes is the right way and do whatever she can to make that become a reality for the betterment of the galaxy and doesn't really matter what label you put on it. She's going to stick by her moral compass. You know, that just made me realize the character it's the character. It's probably best to contrast her with is race Sloan because they both have those moments where like yeah. race alone could have joined the new Republic at yeah, one point, sure. but she yeah. decided to stick by the empire and then, go off and be a part of the first order. And I think they're both very, they're similar personalities. And I think if you ever put them in a room together and I'm really sad, we have not seen them in a room together, 
Yet. They would prob uh, yet. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll just keep start petitioning Delray now. <laughs> but um, I think they would have gotten along really well. And back when I thought that the you know that Battlefront Two was going to show her eventually joining the First Order, I was really looking forward to hopefully one day reading a fanfic about like old lady Iden and old lady Sloan like chilling and having tea and making fun of Hux and and Kylo. <laughs> You know they would. Oh, the They'd things be that could have been. The things that could have been. Uh, That's my new headcanon. I'm all about that. It happened at some point. As you're not going to be able to tell me otherwise. <laughs> so speaking of like stuff we wish we got with Aiden and other characters from Inferno Squad, I want to kind of close out the show with this. If we got any other, you could take it Inferno Squad, Aiden, um, any direction you want to, but. Any other material with these characters, uh, what would you like to see? Lindsay, we'll go ahead and start with you. Um, I'm actually going to try and stray away from the obvious because, of course, I would love to see any of these characters in any capacity. I would really like to dive into Vardos a little bit more. I just felt like the imagery that was painted there and some of the different things in... You know, the way that the trees were presented, things like that. I would really like to dive into that planet and why it was so important to the Empire a little bit more. Bria, what would, what do you want to see with more Aiden? Do one I thing, have... only one. Only. Oh, okay, hold on. You said, okay, you said one thing with Aiden, so I'm going to get around that rule and name two things. Ooh, okay. uh, right. The first one... <laughs> No, the first one does not involve Aiden because it can't. Uh, I would really like to see more DLC for the game that follows Zay and Shriv. Uh, because I think we could get some really cool stories about them as, as you know, both members of the Resistance. And they've, they're now Inferno Squad. Um, I, will, I would cry if Zay showed up or Shriv showed up in Episode 9. So I think more in that direction would be really cool. And then... Here's how I'm getting around your roll. The thing for Aiden, um, I would just, I'd love to see anything and everything. But one of the things I think would be really cool to see would be an, a novelization of the game that lets you do what you can't do in a video game like this and see their thought process. Because that time jump, there's a lot that goes on. I mean, I have headcanon about what happens there but there's a heck of a lot that you kind of just gloss over because i don't think it was easy for Aiden and dell to become members of the new republic i think that they probably were greeted with a bunch a lot of apprehension from the rank and file i think it took them a while to get used to shooting tie fighters instead of y-wings I think it took them a while to to come to terms with the fact that they've effectively betrayed everything they've ever known before just to do the right thing. And I would really like to see more into that and also a little more of the pretty perfectly done, but I would love to see more of it, love, building love story between Aiden and Dell. That, I'm definitely there for that. I hadn't thought about that. I went kind of in the other direction. I would really like to see more of stuff with the in-between when they go on their first mission and they join the Dreamers. They kind of breeze over the fact that they go on a bunch of different missions and continue to improve and their skills um, and their relationship with each other improves. And I would like like a comic series or a series of books that go through some of those missions i think it would fit better with a comic just because they feel like they're shorter uh type missions they're not like as long as the mission was with the dreamers so yeah that would be really anything more with inferno squad would be fantastic let's be honest yes anything and everything just i already want to slap an inferno squad crest on everything i own so <laughs> it's not a bad idea it'll just be your mark it'll be like the bat signal for you. Oh, I, I managed to talk my uh, local 501st group into when we when he split into squads. I managed to get us named Inferno Squad. I'm not nice. sorry. That's fantastic. Yeah. You win. You win everything for the day. <laughs> I also have like 
Inferno Squad armor in my uh, in my storage room, and I've got a helmet, and I've got Dio sitting over here on my desk. So that's so cool. Inferno Squad, all the things. <laughs> Inferno Squad, all the things. That is a perfect way to close out the show because at the end of the day, we are Inferno Squad. So. Bria, go ahead and uh, kind of tell people where they can find you uh, on Twitter and other places and where they can hear all your fantastic uh, content. Oh, boy. Well, if you want to hear me talk about Iden Versio a lot more, because I tend to go on uh, rants about her every so often, uh, you can find me on social media at Chaos Bria. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. And actually, I'm planning on doing a live stream of the Battlefront 2 campaign story for the game's anniversary in a couple weeks. So I will hopefully, if I follow through that, post the details on Twitter. Aside from that, you can find me over at TashiStation.net and uh, WhiteHotRoom.com is my geek fashion blog. And then on StarWars.com is where I talk about comics. All right. Thank you again. Lindsay, you want to give your plugs and stuff? Oh, sure. Make me follow that little resume. (laughs) 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 No, you can find me on Twitter, Miss Lindsay G. Of course, I always want to talk about anything star wars related um so find me on twitter find me over on the clashing sabers site i am under the name moss Eisley happy hour so you can check out any of my work there and of course on our clashing sabers facebook group where we like to keep these conversations going yeah that's the clashing sabers star wars community over on facebook you can join us there uh our next novel that we're going to be reading is uh bloodline which is another fantastic book. But, Ooh. Lindsay, I haven't run this by you yet, but what do you think about going through the Women of the Galaxy book for our next episode? Uh, twist my arm. Okay. All right. All right. We'll do it. All right. You sure? You sure? <laughs> I, I, do I need to convince you a little bit more? <laughs> I'll, I'll get through it somehow. <laughs> oh, the hard life of a podcaster. So, yeah, jump with, jump over to the Facebook group and come join us. You can follow us on Twitter, at Clashing Sabers. Uh, we have an Instagram that I never use, so probably don't go over there. But uh, Twitter and the Facebook group are the main places to see our stuff. Uh, make sure you're checking out ClashingSavers.net. We put out a couple uh, articles over the past couple weeks, and we've got some more in the pipeline uh, that we're working on. So we can't wait to hear your thoughts. Uh, send us your thoughts about Battlefront 1 and why it was good. Send us your thoughts about Aiden and Inferno Squad and anything else you want to talk about. Uh, you can leave us a rating and review over on iTunes or wherever your podcatcher is and send us those emails at clashingsaversnetwork at gmail.com. And until next time, keep reading, keep writing, but whatever you do, don't burn the sacred text. All right, by this point, you know how this goes. Their stuff, their stuff, our stuff, our stuff. Not associated with Lucasfilm. Kathleen Kennedy, give me a call. Dave Filoni, I'm there if you need me. Our thoughts? They're our thoughts. They don't reflect Lucasfilm or anybody else associated with this stuff. So, if you don't like it, we're sorry. If you do like it, great. Let us know either way on iTunes, on whatever podcatcher you're listening to us on. Rate us, review us, share us, tell your friends about us, and dadgummit, whatever you do, just don't burn the sacred text! <laughs>